So today we are talking about gratitude. It's the week before Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite weeks of the church year because I get to talk about this thing that I could talk about every day and still not get to the end of its blessings to me and to the world and to everyone in it. And this month, uh, before, I, before I missed a week with COVID, my idea was to share some wisdom from the Sikhi tradition. And today I want to share this wisdom of Chardi Kala, and gratitude is part of that. Chardi Kala means eternal optimism. And just as the reading that I read from Christopher Chenoweth, uh, does anybody in here, did anybody get to meet him? Kate, I know, and Bob. He was a he. He died this past year, and uh, uh, but he was a mentor to me for years and years and years. He was one of the first people who recognized the minister in me long before I did. And uh, his enthusiasm, yes, his enthusiasm was so contagious that you try as you might could not hold on to your rotten mood if he was anywhere near you. You just couldn't do it. So um, now I get the gift of, I just think of him and it elevates my mood. Because I know if he was here before me, he would just, <laughs> he would smile me into capitulation. <laughs> so I feel like Chris is with us this morning. So optimism. What is optimism? Optimism is defined by Webster as hopefulness and confidence about the future or successful outcome. Hopefulness and confidence. The philosophical doctrine called optimism um, that's been written a lot by Leibniz was this world is, this world, this world is the best of all possible worlds. This world is. The Buddhists say that in order to have a, uh, to have a human life is like a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth to one chance. So when you get here, you've already beat incredible odds. And so why do we spend so much of our lives assuming it's just going to get worse from here? <laughs> I know, sometimes it's the evidence of our senses that tells us that. So hope is part of optimism, hope. And hope is, is, is this idea that things could be better, that they could be better, or that they're really already not so bad. Hope, as Einstein said, um, the only really important question or the most important question you can ask yourself is, is the universe friendly? And if you decide that the universe, if that's your answer, you, the universe is friendly, then it will change your whole outlook, how you act in the world, and therefore what you get reflected back to you in the world. If you decide that the universe is not friendly, then it will affect how you act in the world and what is reflected back to you. That's often called a self-fulfilling prophecy. And gratitude is one of the tools that can make a self-fulfilling prophecy an amazing thing rather than a not-so-good thing. So this idea that things could be better. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, where there is life, there is hope. J.R.R. Tolkien said that in The Lord of the Rings. But first, um, first it was Theocritus. While there's life, there's hope. 
and only the dead have none. And I would talk to theatricists about that a little bit and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe. Another quote from J.R.R. Tolkien is, a single dream is more powerful than a thousand realities. Ooh, try that on for size, just breathe it in. A single dream is more powerful than a thousand realities. So we get the choice to hold that dream, to hold that hope, to hold this idea of possibility of things being better or of things being good as they are. And the deal is in the half full glass of life, you know, you've heard that conundrum, is the glass half full or is it half empty? Well, you know, it contains what it contains, but how we feel about that glass is completely up to us. So if we decide to feel like it's half empty already, that means half of it I don't even get, then we're gonna experience that. And if we choose to feel, oh, it's half full, so there's a lot that's already there, and there's a possibility that more could come into it. Amazing that, amazing. I'm gonna read you a quote, um, a couple of quotes by Viktor Frankl, who is one of my mentors, although he never knew it. <laughs> he wrote um, Man's Search for Meaning and developed a whole psychology of hopefulness and gratitude and love um, after having lost every single member of his family in the Holocaust and having survived five years in the camp himself. And this is what he wrote afterward. The one thing you can't take away from me is the way I respond to what you do to me. The last of one's freedoms is to choose one's attitude in a given circumstance. No matter what freedoms may be taken from you, the freedom to choose your attitude can never be determined by anyone else. Never. We get to choose, always. And too often we take the road of, well, he made me do it. She made me feel that way. This happened, and that's why I. And the truth is, yes, things happen, and we wouldn't be human if we didn't react emotionally to them. And, not instead of, but and, we get to choose where we go from there. Another from Viktor Frankl. Pain from problems, disappointments, etc., is inevitable in life. But suffering is a choice determined by whether you choose to compare your experience in pain to something better and feel unlucky and bitter, or to something worse and therefore feel unlucky, or, or therefore feel lucky and grateful. So which way are you looking? Which way are you looking? Um, Chris Chenoweth used to call that the at least rule. That when something really bad's going on, you go, well, you know, at least it's not, mm. It's raining, at least it's not a hurricane. <laughs> it's, a it's a hurricane, at least it's not a tsunami. <laughs> it's a tsunami, at least it's not a drought. <laughs> and those are extremes, but always in our lives, we look at what we have and we get to judge it as something good or something not so good, as something hopeful or evidence that goodness is not gonna happen for us. We get to decide. 
And gratitude is the most powerful way I know of to bring us from the place of hopelessness, from the place of pessimism, from the place of cynicism. It's the most powerful practice I know of to remind us that there is so much good. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, there is so much good. And gratitude, when we practice it, does a lot of things. One of the things it does is it brings us to humility. Because when we're ungrateful, we have decided how things should be. And we're judging them as maybe not having met our standards. As if we were king of the world and had the perspective to know what's good and what's not. This idea of um, humility is expressed in Buddhism as beginner's mind or emptiness. The one who cannot be taught is the one who already knows. If you've already made up your mind, then I probably can't help you. But if your mind has the tiniest little chink of openness, then all of this love can pour in and influence every single thing in your life, every thought, every word, every action. The other thing that gratitude does besides give us some humility, some idea of our rightful place in the world and what's possible, is it gives us connection. Because when we are grateful, we recognize that we are not islands unto ourselves. There is good coming to us from other places. That we are dependent upon our source, that we are interdependent upon each other. So gratitude brings us connection connection and gratitude brings us to source it brings us to god it brings us ultimately to oneness because the truth is we are all in this together and if there is one love and one presence and one power then you are never out of its presence and you are never powerless and you are never alone and that's what gratitude can do for us jesus said of myself i can do nothing of myself, of my human self, with my human limitations, with the way that I feel about things and the judgments that I've made about things and the habits that I've developed around those feelings and judgments, I am not effective. But, he says, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Now that's not the Jesus that's usually taught in the more fundamentalist churches. Usually the Jesus that's taught is the one where we like bow down and we can't, you know, he's holy, only you are holy. There's so many songs about you are holy, you are holy, I am nothing, I am nothing. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, every single thing that I have done, you can do. And why do you think that that's not preached very much? There's a lot of personal responsibility involved in taking up the mantle of being as loving as Jesus was. It's a lot easier to say, I'll never be that good, you be good, I'll just follow these narrow set of rules and hope that you'll dig me out of whatever I dig myself into. Whether, whereas when we say, I have responsibility, it, everything that was in Jesus is in me. 
the same source. He called it the father within. That was the language of his time. What he's talking about is the source of all, which in this church we call one love. And every bit as much of the one love that was in Jesus the Christ, that was in Buddha the Awakened One, that is in any great teacher or leader, the exact same amount is in you, is in me. Because it's available to all of us, and it is according to our attitude, our willingness to connect and be humble and to recognize this oneness with everything that allows us to use that source. It's always there. We just don't always use it. So why hope? Why are we going to hope? That's part of the Sikhi way of praying. There are five prayers that they pray every morning and every evening. And the, second prayer, the first prayer is the prayer of oneness. The second prayer is the prayer of eternal optimism, of keeping hope alive in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, keeping hope alive. So why hope? Well, I say hope because hope gives you perspective. Optimism and gratitude give us perspective. One of Viktor Frankl's observations of people in the camps was that the ones who kept their humanity, I mean, they were treated like animals. They were treated worse than animals. And when you're treated worse than an animal, you can feel like and speak like and behave like an animal or worse. But the ones who remembered, I still have something to give. If I have one crumb, I can give half of it away. If I can't feel good inside myself, I can smile for someone else. And that will reflect a smile back to me. Those are the people who held on to their humanity. And the way I put this is hate never wins until it wins in me. The moment it wins in me, it's won. But no matter what goes on around me, no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what is happening in Ukraine or in the Gaza Strip, if hate if I don't give in to hate, then hope is alive and love is alive. And love is in motion because I have chosen it so. The moment I say, nope, that's it. It's all, it's all bad. There's no hope for any of us. Then, yeah, I have succumbed to that. And the only way the world changes, I say this all the time, but there's really just one message here. The message is oneness. So I try to think of different ways to say it. <laughs> The only hope that we have is to remember who we are as individuals and then to spread that contagion of remembrance by speaking it, by living it, by showing it, by giving it away, by evoking it in other people, by reflecting back to other people the truth of who they are, this one love, one light, one power, one energy. When we reflect that back, then the world changes because we change, because the people around us change. And you will never know, you will never know the lives you have touched. 
in your lifetime. You will, may never find out the day that you smiled at someone and you completely turned their day around and make them make a different decision about where they were going and what they were doing. If they were a stranger, you won't know that. If they were a friend, you still might not know that. They might not even be aware of it. But make no mistake, we all have that power. We have the ultimate power over ourselves and our own attitudes, and we have the power and we have the choice and we have the privilege of sharing that outwardly with others. So hope gives us perspective. It could be worse. It could always be worse. Where there is life, there is hope. And where is there not life? Because the death of the body is not the end of life. It's the beginning of a different expression of life. So hope changes how we see. When we see the glass as, man, at least half full and probably getting fuller any minute now, as we see it differently, then we begin to think differently. Our thoughts are around how to use this half and what could bring more and how to share it and what good it could do. And then when we think, when our thinking is changed by the way we choose to see things, then our speech gets changed. We are saying things in more positive and loving ways. We are remembering to say, I love you, without going, well, they already know I love them. There's no point in saying it out loud all the time, especially not when they're bugging me. Especially not when they're not doing it right. I'm not going to remind them at that moment that they're loved because this is unacceptable. Right? It changes the way we speak to others. It changes the way we speak. And when we change the way we see, the way we think, and the way we speak, then our actions are reflected in that. And we make a difference in this world. We are on the mission, bringing true the vision of humanity's awakening to the one love. Because who are we? We are humanity, connected to all of humanity. And if we are awakening to the one love within, then everybody is to some extent. And if we are bringing other physical expressions of humanity along with us, the way Chris Chenoweth did in his life, oh, I just got to be happy. I don't have any choice. I'd rather not, but I just can't help it. Have <laughs> you ever had somebody like that in your life that just lifts you to that degree? Have you ever been somebody like that in your life? Because you can. You can anytime, starting today. And then... What we do becomes who we are in expression in this world. Now, who we are is the one love. We know that. But how we express in the world, we can express by completely ignoring the truth and by acting as if none of it matters. Or we can express by remembering the truth and acting as if everything matters. Everything and then that is self-fulfilling. What happens is I'll believe it when I see it becomes I'll see it when I believe it. When I believe that you are the one love, then I can begin to see it in you. If I wait to see it, <laughs> I might never believe it. But when I decide to see it, then I believe it.
or when I, when I believe it ahead of time, then is when I see it. I, I just know. I know. It's really hard. There, you know, there are people in life where you go, oh, I'm really having a hard time seeing the Christ in you. And you know what? I don't have to see it in that moment. I have not reached perfection. When I do, I won't be here. I'll just descend. Y'all won't see me anymore. So probably not going to happen in this lifetime. But when I say, I choose to believe it, I can't see it with my human eyes, but I choose to believe it. Divine love, help me see it. Help me express it. Help me remember it. Help me evoke it with what I do. Too often, we are an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and everyone's blind and toothless. If he hadn't, I wouldn't have had to, right? How many times have we said that? Well, what if he did and I didn't? I still think one of the most profound statements Gandhi ever made was that a war does not start with the first arrow shot. A war starts with the first arrow returned. The arrows just fall to the ground. There's no war. There's only war when I go, oh, yeah, and give it back to you. Now we have a war. And so we get that choice every day. And so what do we do? We practice. We get better because we practice. Behavioral scientists will say, I'll say, we are what we repeatedly do. Not what you did one day on Sunday during the prayer and then did something else all week. But what we repeatedly do in our lives, what we remind ourselves of over and over again. If we eat well and exercise, we'll be fit. If we do our homework and study hard, we'll be prepared. If we think positive, we will be optimistic. And if we practice love every single day, we will be loving. On the other hand, if an idea sits in our head, but we don't put it into practice, then it has little or no impact on our lives. And so the practice, how gratitude helps Back to this idea of eternal optimism. Optimism is hopefulness and confidence. What gratitude does is it turns your hope into confidence because you found concrete things to say thank you for, things that are good in your life. Then that hope becomes confidence. And we become gracious and open and aware and ready to receive good as well as ready to give good. And so we begin to say thank you. It's a great practice to get up every morning and just say out loud. Or here's what I'd like to actually challenge you to do. This would be a really, really good thing for you. Choose somebody in your life, maybe somebody in the pew in here, to whom you make a pledge that for the next week, every single day, first thing in the morning, I will text to you three things I am grateful for. Will you get an accountability partner to do gratitude with you? Somebody look around. Grab somebody. I mean, you don't have, it doesn't have to be in this room, but yeah, be, be accountable to somebody. It's a very, very helpful thing, I promise, because I can go, yeah, yes, I'm grateful, whatever. But when I have to say it out loud and when there is a witness to it, then it becomes more powerful. It becomes more firmly seated in who I am. So what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? 
This morning, I am thankful for the health of my body and that I'm able to be here with you. I'm thankful that my husband is being restored to health. I'm grateful that I'm in this community of people who are willing to put the love that they know into practice. I'm grateful for the fact that um, these feet are holding me up, that I'm able to move my arms around. So many people are not able. What are you grateful for? I want you to just, we're gonna, we're gonna take that into a boisterous meditation and I'm gonna have you shout it out, okay, in just a minute. When we see good, we think good, when we think good, we speak out the good. When we speak out good, we begin to act for good, and the world fulfills that goodness, and it can all start with thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that this microphone works. The other one didn't, but this one does, so what's the big deal? You still get to hear me without me having to yell, right? Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, world. Thank you, love. Thank you, you guys, for showing up. I wouldn't have a job if you didn't show up. Thank you. Thank you, and I mean that from the bottom of my soul. I never take that for granted, not for one single instance. It is still amazing to me today that you will let me talk and listen to what I say. <laughs> so I spent a lot of years with people telling me to shut up. So... It all starts with a small thank you. So thank you. Thank you. So we're just going to take that into a meditation. Just um, get yourself comfortable. Maybe do a little quick scan of your body if anything's tight. Allow it to loosen. Send it some love and some compassion. And we'll begin with the breath, because breath is life, given to us freely, day after day after day, whether we're awake or asleep, whether we remember it or don't remember it, whether we give thanks for it or we don't even pay attention to it, it is still given. And so as you breathe, just become aware of how it feels to take breath in your body and how it feels to let it go so that another breath can come in. And say thank you. Thank you, breath. Thank you, life. And as we focus on our breathing, we can each go inward to that place in our hearts The Hindus talk about a flame the size of a thumb that grows right at our heart center. That is the light that we have to shine, and it's always there. So as you think of that flame and you breathe into your chest area, imagine that every breath fans that flame and it becomes lighter and lighter and more and more glowing and larger and larger until your whole body is filled with light. 
Jesus said the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. What that means to me is when you choose to focus, when I choose to focus on the good, when I keep it single, I see hope, I see love, I see good. Then my whole body is filled with light. Because if my eye sees that, everything else follows. So in this moment, no, you are the light of the world. You are. You are. Not you could be or you should be. You are the light of the world. Take a moment to just see if you can feel the gratitude in that. I am light. I'm connected to the one light. I can never, ever be put out by anything outside of myself. And if I've been putting my light under a bushel, I choose right now to get rid of it. I get to shine today. And then I, I ask you to ask yourself a question. What today feeds this light and helps me shine? your answer is, speak it out loud right now. Don't be scared. My dog, Isabel. Just one of the things. Mm. Yes. spoke it out loud, how'd that make you feel? More senses. Before it was just inside, now you've used your kinetic sense of speech and your oral sense of hearing what you said. Now we all probably have something in our lives today that doesn't feel so good. Maybe it's a little bit scary. Maybe it's a little bit sad. Maybe it's a lot sad. Don't let it all come in on you. Think of one thing that feels like it's putting a little bit of a damper on the light in you. And find a dot of light in that thing, whatever it is.
Now quickly, just think of three things off the top of your head. Don't belabor them. I'm grateful for cool weather. I'm grateful for the people in this room. I'm grateful that there was a running vehicle that got me here. Small things, big things, it doesn't matter. If you feel brave, speak them out. One. I'm grateful that you're cool because I'm sweating. Mm -hmm. There's something that'll break, bring you up. Okay, two. Mm. I'm grateful that COVID is not a death sentence for most of people now. Three. I'm grateful too for that. Okay. Are you in a grateful mood? I only ask that you, we're not going to close this meditation. You're going to go forth in a grateful meditation and bring it into your world. And I promise you, what you're going to be thinking all day is little things that you never thought of before. Once, when I was at my lowest point in life, I decided to start thanking God. And I started about 5 o'clock that evening when I got home from work. And the next morning at 6 o'clock, I was still going. I hadn't slept and the whole world was transformed for me. At that point, I'm, you know, I might have been running low on stuff. I was looking down going, ah, who thought of how these, this tie goes into all these holes and then you make it into a bow and it holds your shoe on? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the creative mind that came up with that. Thank you for buttons. Thank you for zippers. <laughs> stuff we take for granted. Take it into your world today. I challenge you and I love you. Amen. <laughs>